Welcome to my basement, everybody. Hello, Scott Jones. How's your Hi. summer going, buddy? Hey, Victor Lucas. I'm having a great summer. You and I just got back from the beach. It was amazing. It was very surreal to go from that to this. Yeah, from the brightest of bright sunshine. Yes. And it is, if you've never been to the Pacific Northwest, especially this part of the Pacific Northwest, in the summer, it is really bright here. Yeah. And then to go into this dank dark, low-ceilinged, like the, I'm sure that we both have mold spores on us. Now, we're probably turning into clickers you from actually, The Last of Us. You look like you're, you're tanned. You're actually getting uh, some pretty decent sun. I feel uh, like I've gotten a little, a little too much sun. It, it, yeah. I don't know. Are you supposed to, I mean, I noticed that you don't really get that much sun in summer. Do you wear, wear a lot of sunblock? I wear, I wear more makeup than you on the show, I think. You do? You like the And I do wear a lot of sunblock. You know, I'm a dad now, so it's like sunblock city in our place. I never used to wear or care that much about it, but it's just like it's all over us. We bathe in it. So you guys buy it by the case. We do. Whatever you need to put the, on me, I just go out. And we need it, and it's great, man. And it's great to, uh, to you know, take a, a breath from the screen time that we are all inundated with. It know? is nice, but then I go out and I look at the ocean, just like we did while we were out shooting our yeah. reviews today. And all these reviews will air in future episodes of Reviews on the Run and on EP Daily. Yeah. And then after a couple minutes, I'm like, okay, I saw it. All right, so now let me go, go back, back inside. Now back to Half Life Two. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let me go live my virtual life, which <laughs> feels more important sometimes. How's your PC gaming going? Pretty well, but I'm having some touch and go moments every now and then. Yeah. And I think this is just uh, part and parcel for being a PC gamer. I'll be playing Half Life Two, and I'm doing a kind of a speed run. I go home and I play a few hours of it every night. And I yeah. got to tell you something. I think that Half Life Two is the wire. Of video, video games, games. right? Like, I cannot Should believe. You send an email to Warren Spector. I cannot believe. Like I envy people who have never played this I know, game I know. because I cannot believe how you you use this term before, and I like it. It's needle mover. Yeah. This game moved the needle almost farther than any other game I can think well, of because it packs in the genres, right? For a, for a little while, it's one of the most intense shooters that it, that you've ever played. It's not before. that though. It's, You're it's, chased. It's the characters. It's the characters Father Gre sure. Gregory or whatever oh, his yes, name is. Absolutely. It's Alex Vance. Yes. It's all. It's everybody you meet has this weight and soul to mm -hmm. them, and they then matter. some of the, and, and they matter. And yeah. then some of the vehicle sequences are some of the best I've ever played. Well, You're, then you get driving. the survival horror sequences stuff in there as well. It does everything. Yeah. This game, like I, I can't believe the scope and the scale and it goes from intimate little apartments where you're you feel this sense of claustrophobia and then suddenly you're out and you see these vistas and you're driving this hovercraft and you're just driving and there's these ants coming out of the ground yeah and like it's unbelievable the imagination ant the yeah. ant lions yes yeah and you care about the uh, the resistance force as well and they just get decimated all around you and but you're, the, you're in that space man you care about dog I mean it's just an incredible dog is game. great and this yeah. is the thing yeah dog has so much dog is yeah. a mechanical robot dog Dog yep. that's a giant yep. who's your friend. Well, he's I know like this is silly. from AI and Clank. He's, you know? he's wonderful. And yep. he has heart. He, and he has soul. He, the way he moves, the way his head moves, everything that Valve does. I know that everyone said all these things before. I'm just echoing them. But it's it, it really <laughs> is masterful. Like it is, it is But this is what happens while I'm playing this game. All of a sudden, it'll just quit to the Steam screen for no reason whatsoever. And right. I won't know why. And yeah. all of a sudden, it's almost like the whole thing minimizes to the bottom. I just click the icon on the bottom of the screen. I'm back in the game again. I don't know why these things happen. <laughs> I guess it's just, it stutters. It feels like it's it's very delicate. I don't, no sudden movements while you're playing the PC games. The thing could go out on you at any second. But Steam has been having their summer sale. Yeah. I have picked up so many things. For some reason, I picked up Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. Right. And I, I, I can't get you it running for some reason. That. I don't know when I'm going to fucking yeah. play it. You, but have, I, you don't I, have I time. Bought it. Yeah. I bought that. I bought FTL. Uh, I bought... Uh, FTL you have time for. FTL is is a great little... Uh, don't Starve from, from Clay. That's cool. Like all kinds of stuff. FTL is, is awesome bite-sized gaming. You know, it's yeah. deep. It's deep. But you can go in for a little bit. Play, I just looked know, at it. Your... It looked like a bunch. A bunch. I haven't really played it yet, but it looked oh, like a really bunch, cool. bunch of star. Star. I think it's confusing. called Star Command on the iOS platform. Is really great too. It's it's one of these tactical command your spaceship. Uh, uh, you know, kind of Star Trek type thing. You're always putting out fires on your spaceship. That's that's Doesn't basically what's too going exciting. on. No, it's cool though because you care about your characters and they get they get uh, attacked or they get uh, consumed by fire or uh, they they get lost through holes in the in the hull. 
It, that, I'll check all it out. very fun now stuff. Now listen, before we get to the sure sign that the apocalypse is near, let's yep. talk about the fact that you are away this week. I know. You are I'm actually, actually on the road. I'm on the road. I'm in uh, San Diego as this is being heard. How many Comic-Cons is this? Pardon me? How many Comic-Cons is this for you? I've literally, I've lost count. I've been to so many of these things. I'll tell you this though, uh, G4 got a lot of credit the American version of G4 for really putting uh, Comic-Con on the map on television and bringing a lot of spotlight to the event. Yeah. And they did spend a ton of money, uh, you know, covering the event and doing live hits and stuff like that from there. But I w had been going for years before G4 had with cameras and, and reporting on it. Tom and I used to do, uh, you know, a pretty regular uh, superhero game roundup. They make a lot less superhero uh, uh, content these days in terms of console Who did you games. go there with? Tommy. Remember him? Yeah, I don't remember but that guy. We used to go there all the time, and I actually took some of the former G4 executives to Comic-Con. I said, you guys have got to come down here and check this thing out. It's ridiculous. It's the convergence of everything that matters to geeks and fans. And, and they'd and, never been before. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The, um, uh, the one guy in particular hadn't been before, but then he became a real aficionado and started searching out all kinds of cool comics. Mm -hmm. He really, really got the sense of, yeah, this is where, you know, geek culture is right now and then mm -hmm. it, it sort of I think when Twilight started to hit Comic-Con is when uh, it, it sort of jumped the shark a little bit you know it became such a cultural hotspot and such a pop culture hotspot right um, and it became a little surreal because then it, it had really shifted from uh, you know being for the nerds and being about celebrating the imagination that goes into comic book storytelling into uh, uh, you know high-pitched fans just screaming and waiting for screenings and waiting to see pop idol stars and stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It just became a different destination. Well, and I don't know what's happening yeah, now, but it's... Yeah. Uh, it's uh, I mean, the other side of it is that all of that geeky stuff has become the biggest stuff in the world to see. You know, Man of Steel was the event movie of the summer. Uh, Star Trek and Iron Man 3 and Pacific Rim... These, even Lone Ranger, these are the biggest things that uh, that get made in the pop culture universe. And, and you know, Comic-Con is the heartland for that stuff. All right, all right, all right, all right. So we've talked about, we've done some uh, nice, we've, you know, we have some nice commentary on what mm -hmm. Comic-Con is and your, your thoughts on Comic-Con. Give me a personal memory from Comic-Con. What comes to mind when I say, hey, tell me what is your fondest, most treasured moment in Comic-Con history. You've met a lot of uh, people who are he personal heroes of yours. Yeah, I have. For sure. Yeah. Um, um, I, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Astro City that Kurt uh, Busiek uh, uh, writes. And I've met yeah. him. Okay. And he was a totally cool guy. You and, guys uh, friends now? Yeah, big fan. Friends, um, okay. Uh, I love the Teen, Tar the Teen Titans. Okay. When he came out and met uh, George Perez and took a photograph with him. And, and he was the guy that put all of the detail and all those awesome old Teen Titans covers. Very cool. Um, Neil okay. Adams shook his hand. Okay. Uh, Robert Kirkman, I'm a huge fan of Invincible oh, know, as much as Kirkman, I am sure. uh, Walking Dead. And he's been on the show a number of times through, through Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the one of my favorite memories actually was when Brian Singer was at Comic Con to talk about uh, X Men, the the X Men feature film, mm -hmm. and an, a former uh, Greedy Productions employee, John McClane Foreman, who's now a writer in the video game space. He actually wrote Black and White with Peter Molyneux, uh, or Molyneux. Uh, he um, is friends with David Hayter, and that's how I first met David Hayter back in the day. And and uh, through their friendship, uh, we got. Uh, an interview with David and Brian Singer and I think there was a couple of the uh, producers and maybe one or two of the X-Men cast back in the day uh, before all, all of that stuff had kind of erupted. Sorry, I don't know what happened. Oh, stop pressing that. You asked me for my memory, I'm telling you, you bastard. <laughs> and so anyways, I met no, him keep and, going. He, and he was fantastic and, uh, you know, a hater was terrific <laughs> and got some great interviews and then we saw each other at uh, a dinner Later that night, we had the whole EP crew that was down at Comic-Con. This is why you are not going to Comic-Con, by the this way. This isn't why. There's no, another reason it. why. No, this, this, what did I do this, now? You, you're eye-rolling and you're pressing the Pac-Man. No, I didn't do that. I, I That's why you're not a Comic-Con. I pressed it inadvertently. You're bored of these kinds of things. I Anyways, love this. I, we ran I'm into so Brian Singer and his posse at, at, uh, at the same restaurant that the, the sort of greedy team assembled. And Tommy was on a Spider-Man 
uh, comic buying run. He was, he's been trying, and I don't, I'm sure he's completed it by now, but he's been trying to get every issue of, of Spider-Man. And he pulled out, I think, an issue two or something like that while we were at dinner. And, and Singer was at the other table and saw that and said, oh, my God, let me see that. And so Tommy's comic book went all over the place, and we all kind of you know, were in, enjoying and celebrating the kind of geekiness that was there. Uh, and and just ha- you know it was cool. It was a it was a really terrific memory. And then of course meeting Stan Lee. I met Stan Lee a bunch of times at Comic Con. And he's did you he, touch him? Uh, I did touch him. I actually touch did a panel rope? with Stan Lee. You Marvel, did a panel. Yeah, Marvel and Activision asked me to uh, moderate a panel for. Um, I think it was X X Men Origins, or it was it was one of their games, and it was holy shit. That's it, a, that's it was, amazing. It was awesome, and it was packed. There was about seven thousand people there. And uh, it was an honor, and uh, I, I loved sharing the stage with the guy. I couldn't believe that I was, and he's just such a gracious person. And out of all of the, you know, amazing creators and celebrities and, and awesome people that I've met, Stan Lee is my very, very, very favorite. Now, person. no one ever says anything bad about Stan Lee. Yeah, he must have. He must have screwed somebody at some point. Well, I think the the worst thing that you can say about Stan is that he. Um, does not mind the limelight and he's had a lot of attention paid to him and I think a lot of credit given to him that maybe he shouldn't have taken all the way along okay but I think what he did is in retrospect and and in subsequent uh, you know kinds of interviews and maybe it was because people would get back to him and say hey listen man you didn't just create that stuff in a vacuum we worked on these characters together and we built these stories together Very true. Uh, so he is really adamant about you know uh, putting his name out as a co-creator of Spider-Man and the co-creator of Iron Man. And all of this stuff may have started as a as a character name or a concept from his head, but they these characters live and breathe uh, when they're you know drawn and they're artistically crafted into characters that resonate with people. Comics are, sell mostly because of that beautiful artwork on the cover, and uh, and and the artists that work on these things are just as important as any of the writers. And uh, you know, I, I think Stan got a lot of um, a lot of attention along the way, and a lot of people were kind of uh, pissed at him because, uh, you know, especially with uh, his um, collaborations with Ditko and Kirby. Yeah. He, you know, Stan Lee would take uh, top billing on all of that yeah. stuff, but those guys were just as integral. You know, I, I get, a, I just get a little sick of the hangiography. I get a little sick, sick of, you know, that he's like the Jesus of this well, stuff, and no, that he, nobody can ever smirch you know him he, at all. He isn't and, that. He's the Disney. He's a living Walt Disney. You know. He is, you know, and there's very, very, very few people that have a pop culture dynasty like that, that have had their finger on so many things that have shifted popular taste. You know, Lucas is one of those, Spielberg is one of those, James Cameron is one of those, uh, but nobody except for Walt Disney, and maybe John Lasseter is working towards that, uh, has affected the way that we consume entertainment in such a profound way. And Walt Disney was probably an asshole, a complete asshole. Like, <laughs> Man, where does must, the cynicism must, come from? He must have been so hard to work I, with. People are not one thing, you know? No, no, but I'm saying like they're not these gods, though. They've created no. some awesome stuff, but and, they're human beings and they make mistakes. Well, the thing I'll tell you about Stan. we can't Stan, just deify them. And having known him, he'd be the first one to tell you that. And he'd be the first All one right. to take the piss out of himself because of that. And, you know, these guys attain this this fame and, and this opportunity, and there's an awareness of it. I'm sure Rod Serling pissed off people along the way, too. I'm sure He's he a, was an asshole, yeah, too. But that's, that's not the only brushy color the guy Every in. creative type is an egomaniac well, asshole. It's, uh, it's, it's just a fact. It's, I mean, it, to create it, that it, stuff and have that kind of vision. But also, you know, bucket loads of optimism and bucket loads of... No, I'm, of, not, I'm, I'm, not, of, I'm not saying that's not there as well, but I'm saying that they're probably difficult people. Sure. sure, they're difficult people. Well, I, I think if you want to affect change or if you want to kind of present a concept into the world and you want to fight for its integrity, you've got to stand your ground. The only one who I think is probably nice all the time, Spielberg. Uh, I've heard things about him, too. <laughs> Have you? you? Know? Yeah, sure. <laughs> I, mean, I think Spielberg has probably gotten the better I just part can't of every imagine deal him yelling. been in. I can't imagine him yelling. No, it doesn't. he's got people that do that. Yeah, he's got yellers. Yeah. Yeah, you get you know, my yellers on the phone. Yeah, and listen, man, yeah. like, you know, and Cameron is, has been, oh, you Cameron's know, known. he's got lots, there's lots of stories yeah, about him and sure. Michael Bay as well. And, you know, it, it, like, honestly, man, like it takes a lot of effort and a lot of uh, energy to go out there and build anything and, and uh, to lead. And 
uh, I think people do it with varying degrees of, uh, uh, I don't know, success in, in terms of interpersonal relationships. Uh, but I, you, you have to credit the positive stuff that their stuff. I'm not taking that away from to, any you know? of these people. That's not what I'm doing at all. I'm yeah. just saying it's, it's, the, it's the sort of saint the, you know, the sort of like, let's raise these people up as right. these saints. And they're, they're right. just human beings who have made some really cool shit. Yeah. And we're in awe of that. Yeah. And I'm, say, I'm just trying to humanize them again. Sure. That's all. Well, I mean, I think they'd be the first people out there to say that anybody has that ability and that they were extremely lucky, you know? Yeah, and I think a lot of these guys are just lucky. Like, they happen to create stuff that really connected with people. There's people who create stuff every day that just doesn't always connect in that, in that you know, sort of wide-scale way. Well, here, here's what I think about creativity, here, and here's what I think about um, projects that uh, resonate. When they come into the world and they matter and they impact a generation or, or they last for, you know, decades, there's a feeling like they sh they have always existed, you know? And it's not so much that they have popped out out of somebody's just sheer endurance and perseverance. It's like, it's almost like they've been uncovered, you know, from, you know, popular kind of consciousness. It's like they, the dust has been taken off of them and then these things exist and there's a permanence about them. Right. You know, and I think the best ideas have that built in, you know, like when Ghostbusters comes out, it just there's a, a thing like you can't imagine an, an, a, a reality without a Ghostbusters movie, you know. And I think the best stuff. I, I can imagine yeah. a reality without a Ghostbusters movie. <laughs> well, that's I, mean, I don't that, know if that's the best yeah. example. That's for me, you know, I, or Raiders of the Lost Ark or whatever, you know. Raiders it's, is better. There's a there's a there's a sense like they've always been there, and they were just waiting for the right person to to uncover them, not so much invent them. So that's my theory. So the listen, stuff that resonates the longest. Plug your panel from Comic Con. If you're going to be at Comic Con, you can see Victor Lucas yeah. perform. Well, perform with some incredible performers. Uh, we're we're uh, basically I'm a uh, I'm a um, I guess a, an MC or a, a tour guide through a discussion on Batman Arkham Origins. That's awesome. And Batman Arkham where is Origins. Where Do you know where it is and when? Blackgate. It's in uh, room 6 B, C, D, E, F or something All like right. that. So I think like a couple thousand or a few thousand people can attend. And I, from what I understand, the uh, there are uh, thousands of people already signed up for this thing that are That's already amazing. going to it. So I can't wait. And uh, obviously talking about my favorite subject and with some of my favorite people, uh, Eric Holmes may have been a big part of the reason why I'm getting to do this. And I'm really grateful. He's a friend and an and You should an, bring him a oh, bottle of scotch and I, some yeah, roses. I, I should. And yeah. he's the creative director on the game, and I've known him since Vancouver days when he was working on Hulk, and, and I think he was on Scarface and Prototype. Uh, but I can't wait to play this game. And honestly, out of all of the stuff that I've seen at E3 and just before E3, uh, it was really, really difficult for me to get excited about anything more than I am for Batman Arkham Origins. I have total faith in the uh, Warner Brothers Montreal team. They're going to build something incredible. And I'm excited that Troy Baker, who's playing the Joker, is going to be there. That just blows my mind. It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense to me at all that he is the guy that's doing this. So it's going to be uh, a surreal thing to have him up on stage. Is he and tell American? Us about the tr transformation. I think he's American. Yeah. We'll find out. Uh, and Craig, uh, oh, I'm gonna, I forget his name. Oh my God, I should know his name. Yeah, that's the wonderful thing about being in Canada now, which is where we do the shows and where we do the, the, the fixed basement and everything is located because I don't automatically assume everyone's American anymore. And when you're in America and you're an American, you yeah. assume that everyone's American until further notice. Right. You know, and so now I have to actually, I wonder uh, out loud often. Right. Is this person American? Troy might Well, not it be seems American. like there's a million people in the uh, the uh, voiceover world that are from Canada. You know, that we really it blows listen, my mind. Look at your voice. They, they, like they do something to the people <laughs> up here. Let's listen to these things. Jeff Johns is going to be there. Yeah. Roger Craig Smith, who was also in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. He's the new Batman. Awesome. And he's the name that I'll never forget now. Roger awesome. Craig Smith. Roger Craig Smith. Uh, Mark Pacini, who is... Uh, uh, the arm, uh, he's the Armature uh, Studios game director. So those are the guys that are working on the, uh, uh, it might be Pacini actually, uh, is uh, they're working on the Blackgate game for the Vita yes. and the 3DS, yes. which I've played okay. and I can't wait to get in my machine because it looks incredible. It's All like right. a 2D Metroid with Batman in it. Calm uh, down. Jeff Johns, uh, who is an incredible writer and a passionate creator 
and uh, you know, really, uh, you know, kind of responsible for the resurgence and our our caring about Green Lantern. And he's now one of the big wigs at uh, DC in general. So I, I'm I'm honored. This is a this is going to be a big thrill. So what day is this there. on again? It's on Thursday morning. Uh, so Thursday it, afternoon. One. So it already happened by the time everyone's hearing this. Yes. So and you know what I'm going to try to do is I'll try to get um, I'll try to get something for the podcast around this. I don't know what I'll be able to get. Get, but I'll get do. five minutes with Eric Holmes. Well, you know what? I, I might throw my phone down and see how the audio is or, or, uh, terrible. or plug in the, uh, the camera or something like that. I'll do what I can. Mm, uh, okay. See what you can do. Uh, and if not, then I'll, I'll definitely pull Eric or some, or maybe Eric and Troy and Roger and, and, uh, maybe get a, some sound bites with those guys. For, no. for the next podcast. All right. Now, listen, before we uh, get to the sign that the apocalypse is yeah. near, uh, yeah. I tweeted out a, l- a little while ago the fact that uh, I'm no longer al- allowed to go to Comic-Con. Right. And a lot of people who watch the show and listen to the podcast a lot, you probably already know why. Right. But it's, uh, it's something that we've uh, come to refer to as the Batman incident. From uh, from 2010. I, do you want to say this? Because you may be blackballed from all cons now. No, I, I, you know, I'll take that chance. I'm really, I'm okay without going to these things. I mean, well, it's, it's ironic that I, I, I'm asked to moderate a Batman panel, and you were not allowed to go to a con. I'm not even allowed. Well, because you know, of your, uh, you are the one who banned me. I banned you because you just, the company won't pay for me to go. I can I, pay I my own not, way to go. I will not pay for you to go down and make fun of these beloved superheroes of mine. All right, but I uh, thought that's why you hired me. Well, it was you just said Batman one too many times in that episode. Bit we were doing one of our two-parter reviews on the run shows where we were talking about all of the cool things that were on display and uh, I think Arkham Asylum had a big presence there, and and uh, the Batman movies were Listen, in full force. And you, you said, know, you said bit me in about thirty seven times of the show, and uh, that thirty seventh time, I was like, I'm gonna punch this guy in the face. Bitcoin. He's got to stop saying this. Did you buy a new Batman? <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, it's all water under the bridge now. You, you no longer want to punch me in the face, at no, least not right good. now. It's all good. Uh, but, but I'll tell you what was going on, a little behind-the-scenes confessional. Yeah. Okay? I, was, uh, I went, this was 2010. It wasn't all that long ago. Yeah. It's my first Comic-Con. Yeah. And I'd been to San Diego before. And, uh, and, but I was, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I go to Fan Expo, and I'm still kind of new to that world. And my only entree into this world was, uh, you know, I loved Mad Magazine growing up. And I there are some comics that I do like. Yeah. You know, there are some artists who I like. And so I, I, went, on a, I went on a search to find those artists and find those comics. And Harvey Picard had just died. It was 2010. And there was no trace that Harvey Picard was anything in the comic book world. And, yeah. and that really was, you know, at this event. And that was kind of crushing to me. It was just these people running around dressed as, uh, you know, not all of them, but, you know, people dressed as Transformers and uh, Power Rangers. And, and, you know, it's just like, where are the things for me here? And I went in search of some of the comic book artists who I really love, like uh, Dean Haspiel and, and Gary Dumb and those guys, and they weren't there. I bought a few comics. Like, I tried to find life in this world, but... You know, the superhero stuff has never really been for me. Yeah. I can connect with the really great movies. Like, I can connect with the with Batman Begins or, or The Dark Knight or, you know, or The Avengers or stuff that, that really has more than, than just the capes and the cowls and all that stuff. And, yeah. and But I couldn't really find the, I don't know, the more artful side. I couldn't really find what I was looking for there. And I, I think I, you know, I just got tired of all the superhero talk. Like, it's not... My forte, and I couldn't really engage with you guys, and so I just, uh, I just started, started making, making jokes. Making the uh, Batman voice. Batman, Batman yeah. on sale. It, it's all good. It's all yeah. good. And uh, uh, maybe I'll go it, back. It, it stopped being funny after. <laughs> I know it takes a lot to make you mad. This is a fact. It does. It is not an easy thing to make yeah, if, Vic if mad. You notice I didn't press the Pac-Man sound when you were giving us your little tale right there. You don't have the Pac-Man. Yeah, I don't have the Pac-Man. So you know it. It does. Like Vic knows this, and uh, you know, and, and Vic or, or I know this, and Vic's wife knows this. It takes a lot to make him mad, but yeah. he does get mad eventually. I do get mad eventually. And that was the one of the yeah. one of maybe five times I've seen you mad in about the almost ten years well, that I've known I, you. And, and my thought was this was not the place to lampoon this audience or the tastes of this audience this was That's this, what this I do, is though. this is the church of the uh, you know the the geek 
space. Like people want to be here to celebrate and have fun and feel safe and not feel judged and not feel like they, they are made fun of because they love all of this stuff. But if you're going to go into the cage with the tiger, you're going to get bit. Yeah, but <laughs> that's all I'm saying. And, you know, and I got to tell you, man, that's one of the things that I love so much about Comic-Con. It's just filled with people that are really uh, genuine and respectful and, and supportive and, uh, you know, and, and they're to have a Some great time. Some of them time. must be assholes, though. Dude, I, honestly, <laughs> I, I, I know I know that that your dark heart wants to believe that, but it, you know, honestly, I've never had a bad time at Comic Con, and I've always come away uh, really, I don't know, inspired by the people. That's always it's always I feel like they're my people too, you know, because this is the stuff that engaged me enough and and uh, inspired me enough to to build this crazy TV show and this production company. It was all built out of my love for this geeky stuff, you know. And when I go I to Comic Con, it's just like, well, this is this is like every dream I had, and it's all in a in a convention, and it's filled with people in the costumes that you know I grew up with and still care about, and still love to go see the movies and read the books of, and you know, I, it, it's a really it's a yeah. powerful thing for for geeks, you know. And I didn't feel like you were threatening it. I just felt that there it was it got the message and got it too many times. So I just felt like it was, yeah, you weren't I, having a good time. And, and that's, the, that's the other side of it too, is like, I don't want to send people on trips, any, anybody. If, if people don't want to go to places in the, uh, in the production, if they don't want to do you know, the gig, there's other things. I mean, the beauty of the work that we get to do is that there's a lot of other ways in. There's lots of things yep. that we can go. I went and I checked it out, it yep. wasn't for me. So let's get to the fact that uh, the, the apocalypse is very close. There's <laughs> gonna be, we're all going to be taken soon. The rapture is coming. And of Grown course, Ups 3, fast track. Grown, Grown Ups 3 <laughs> will probably be in theaters by Christmas oh, at this point. Yeah. Uh, so we go to this movie. We went to the screening. And uh, there's a deer that pees all over Adam Sandler and Selma Hayek within okay. the first 30 Do seconds of the movie. we have to talk movie. about Grown Ups 3? And, we, uh, we somehow, just... No, I'm, we're going to leave it behind in a second. Okay, and, okay. and somehow... This is the movie that we have decided to make the number one movie well, at the box two. office. Behind what? Behind Despicable Me 2, which was number oh, one. Oh, is it? So it's beaten. Okay, Despicable Me 2 deserves to be And it was one. number one for two weeks, okay, which that is was a really good movie. hard to do in the summer, and, it, and they did yeah. it. And it deserves it. It's a terrific, terrific animated flick. But then comes Grown Ups 2. And then Pacific Rim. And then Pacific yeah. Rim. What happened to uh, Pacific uh, Rim? It should have walked away with The weekend, and it didn't. Well, I think Pacific Rim is for a particular taste. You know, I don't yeah. think it is as uh, all-embracing as Hollywood would like it to be. Um, it still did pretty terrific business when you uh, throw in the overseas. It did it's 91 gotta be, million. Got to be a, a expensive movie, though. It was 200 million, and then you know it was about 185, and then there's a lot of marketing costs on top of all that stuff. Yeah. I think it's going to be one of these great um, catalog movies for the studio, though. I think it's going to be one that's going to have legs on, in great Blu-ray catalog movie. You know, and it's going to it, it's going to sort of gain a cult audience. It's very you know analogous to Tron or or Real Steel or some of these other things. Although I think Real Steel was a big hit. It's one of these things that is going to be deserving of repeat viewings from the fan base. But it also isn't going to strike out too much broader than the fan base. The, the, the group that's into comics and, and anime and... And, uh, and movies without real people in well, there. Ah, come on. Like it, that. It no, was, no, there's it no was coming fun. on here. It was fun. It's I, I saw it twice, and my opinion on the movie didn't change. But the one thing that I... Uh, uh, I still would give it a 7.5. The, the one pretty big complaint that I, I had with the movie was we didn't really get to know the uh, the other. We didn't get to know anybody. Jager what are you talking pilots. about? We got to know a little bit of, uh, of Charlie and his brother nope. and stuff. Wanted more of that for sure. More wanted, of everything. Wanted to, to know more of Idris Elba's character and and. Uh, but I, you know, I quite like the interchange, the um, uh, the the sequences between um, uh, uh, Moto. I forget the the, uh, the co-pilot, uh, Charlie Hunnam's co-pilot in the thing. That, that you know what? That's that's a pretty symbolic thing there. I cannot remember yes. too many of the character Completely. names. 
You know, I can remember Gypsy Danger and some of the kaiju names better than, like, I don't know what Charlie it's Day's... It's noise and it's nonsense. I don't know what Charlie... I, I remember uh, uh, the um, uh, Ron Perlman's character... Hannibal uh, Chow. Uh, Hannibal Chow. And that's about it. I mean, he had the... Noise one, and nonsense. You know. Two ends. So, yeah, the people were people did take a back seat. But I, the, the thing that bugs me the most is I wanted to know more about the other Jaeger pilots. I wanted to get to know them before they're just sent off to die, you know? I mean, they just they basically have one Elba, sequence. Or Elba or the Charlie Hunnam character or anybody in yeah. the film. We yeah. might like to learn something about any of these fucking people before but it's they so climb fun. into It's robots. such a fun movie and it's and it it's and it, it's, it exists like a uh, like a, you know, a, a, a lights and sound and beautiful graphics kind of visual, you know, feast. It's it's beautiful. You know, it's a beautiful film, but it does lack a lot of... Uh, All style, no parts. substance. We've yeah. been over this. We've seen this kind yeah. of movie before, and we'll yeah. see it again for well, sure. I'm happy I, and to leave I, it behind. I, you know, I think that's a tougher movie to sell to people. I think uh, you could kind of... This is the big weekend. It's not going to have a bigger weekend than this. Like, that's that's it. The oh, word, I think word the buzz of mouth is, is not going to be good. The buzz is good. Buzz it's is good. Gonna, gonna I, it, it won't have a bigger weekend than that. No. It's going to have a drop-off for sure, but I think it'll have legs. I think it'll still be... Uh, a successful film over time, and but I think we were it talking will sell about this well. In the car today, it's been kind of a disappointing summer for, for Hollywood, movies. and I yeah. started feeling like maybe Hollywood is sick. Something is wrong. This is all of these movies that I couldn't wait to see have kind of come and gone. We just came from Red Two this morning. Yeah, our review aired today on Reviews on the Run, uh, and uh, another disappointing movie. Another movie that I was excited to see, and and it just turned out to be so little. I think what's happening is that it's it's um, everybody's swinging for the fences. Everybody's trying to have mega tentpole blockbusters. That's Something's all that people wrong, get made. Though. Something is wrong. Like something is missing from all these, even from Star Trek Two. Something yeah. is missing. Yes, Some fundamental core ingredient. I know is not holding these things together and they I they they sort of go across my they 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 sort of scan across my brain I they go in my eyes and then they go out my butt and that's the end and I want movies I, I sure love Iron Man 3 to. though out of all the stuff that came out this year Iron Man 3 I think is the one that uh you know sort of well, we were press the geek we buttons were talking the about this the only movie we've really agreed is good despicable, is despicable me, too. me too and yeah. we both had fun at that yeah and uh, we're both surprised. I, maybe it was an expectations thing, you know? Maybe it was, you know, where, where we set our expectations walking into the thing. I didn't expect to like it as much as, as I did. And uh, it was a great surprise. But I think you're right. I mean, I think that uh, we talk about this quite often. I think this idea that public companies and, and shareholders are in charge of creativity is not really always leading to the best choices you know and and uh, i mean Something look at lone is ranger wrong, man. man yeah the lone yeah. ranger i mean all of these movies that i i can't believe we've seen already i can't yeah. believe we've seen man of steel yeah. i can't believe we've seen world war z and and even pain and gain from michael but, bay which was such a disaster you know what though and this is you know hollywood's a cyclical business the video game industry is a cyclical business people learn i mean we uh, have, have had a um uh, kind of a soft year for games in a lot of ways as well in terms of sales. There's been some good games, but they haven't all been sort of hits. And then The Last of Us comes out, and I think that's a that's a game that changes the the conversation about where video games go. I think the Avengers came out early last year. It was like May. Yeah. And then that that set the the mark high for the rest of the summer. Absolutely. And then I don't really remember any other movies. Looper, I guess, yeah. was the next time I saw something that was great. Yeah, Looper and, and the Avengers were you know the what, movies. The, 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 last the year fact before. is, if if you if you only saw maybe two or three movies a year, you're probably seeing the only good stuff, really. Yeah. The rest of the stuff is you can miss it. Yeah, but you, you know don't what? need I, to see this. I, you know, one thing that is absolutely a part of the way that we look at this stuff is we we are consuming so much, and people don't have this kind of perspective they don't they don't go to every single thing and play every single game like we do but so that's, that's why we do it so we can tell them what the best yeah, totally ones are. but i think people you know they want to escape and they go to a movie like pacific rim and it's it's something that maybe i give a seven and a half to or you give a five to 
for them, it's it's a weekend, it's a getaway, it's a, it's a completely different thing they're doing for their week. It's, or it could be like, I haven't been to the movies in a while, and this is why I don't go to movies, because they're yeah, hollow, and they're I, noisy, I and there's nonsense, that and there's noise. want to go to Pacific Rim and are going to Pacific Rim are walking out with a smile on their no, face. No, you I should think, see the tweets I get. I think a lot of people are really A lot of people movie. are really unhappy with my opinion, but yeah. a lot of people really agree with me. A lot of people are like, you're absolutely right. That yeah. movie is nothing. Oh, dude, dude, I... I promise, I promised my mom I'd go up and stir the corned beef. Your mom's making corned beef. Yeah, is that like some sort of Lucas summertime it's, treat? It's always the best in the summer. Usually, we, it's fantastic. Well, the hotter it is, the more corned beef we want. All right, you're gonna go up and stir it. Yeah, I'm gonna okay. go stir it. All right. So can you can you man the, uh, yeah, the basement for just, a little while? I guess I'll just okay. be down here for right. a while. I'll don't, run the vacuum. Don't maybe. add any smells. All right. Okay. So Vic's upstairs. I guess I'll uh, maybe I can pick up the place a little bit, clean up around here, maybe run the vacuum. Oh my gosh, somebody's at the door. Let me see who's here. Who? Who's? Oh my gosh, it's Heather Dirksen. Heather, Surprise. come on in, sit down. Welcome Hi. to the basement. Vic will be back down in a second. He just went upstairs to stir his mom's uh, oh. corned beef, which sounds like a euphemism for something, but it's not really. It, he's actually he's, he's actually, actually stirring, stirring her corned corn beef. beef. Yeah, that's they that's incredible. they enjoy. Apparently, the Lucas family enjoys eating corned beef in July. It's a oh. summertime treat for well, them. That's good. That's a highlight. It's so he's upstairs and we're down here. We're down here, time. but he should be back down now. We actually, you know, full disclosure, we met you in the green room at breakfast television here in Vancouver a couple of weeks ago, and uh, right. I think we were we were smitten with you and you were smitten with us. Totally, so it was a two-way street. You uh, three-way so, street. Yeah, so we're we're happy to have you here on the show. Welcome to the basement. I wish that uh, I wish that I had had a chance to run the vacuum and pick up a little bit. And- yeah, it's okay. You know. I've seen worse. It's this looks slightly like, um, like, my, well, no, it doesn't look anything like my, <laughs> my place. Your place is clean. My, I it's, girls it's have a little less places. dank. Yes. 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 Girls typically have cleaner places, but I am a little like, I, I'll be like a whirlwind. I'll come in the door and everything just flies off. Just like it's well, all over the place. You're not actually home that often. You, you seem to be the busiest actor in the world right now. I can't believe it's the in incredible... in the world, actually, yes. Uh, in the whole world. In the whole world, yeah. I am the busiest one. You are very busy. Like, <laughs> that is a fact. You are in Pacific Rim. You play one of the Jaeger pilots. I cannot pronounce the name of the Jaeger pilot that you play. You, you're, you're part of the Russian team. Yes. It's vaguely Eastern European. And you know, it's funny that you can't pronounce it because... Um, uh, uh, it's Sasha Kaidanovsky. 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 The yeah. Kaidanovskys. However, if you look at the the credits in Pacific Rim, um, it says Lieutenant A. Kaidanovsky and Robert, my co-pilot, is uh, credited as Lieutenant S. Kaidanovsky. Okay. So now I've heard that Alexis and Sasha, which are the names that we were working with when we were the shooting, the S, yes. yes, are actually derivatives of the same name in Russian. So Sasha and Alexis are slightly interchangeable. So the fact that there might have been a mix-up in terms of them, like I'm listed as Alexis and him as Sasha in the right, credits, right. Um, seems to make sense to me. For some reason. So your names are reversed in the credits, but in Russian it wouldn't actually matter, matter. is what you're trying to say. No, exactly. Okay. And actually Sasha, the one that when we were shooting My Name Was Sasha, is actually more of a, a, a male name. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alexis would have been the proper one for me during shoot but it's really they're interchangeable so strange but now true. when we saw the movie uh like one of the highlights for me i actually didn't like the movie very much i listened to this uh, wow. i heard i heard the dialogue you passionately didn't like it well that's okay we're entitled to our opinions it's a very Scott. polarizing okay. picture obviously people that's a very diplomatic thing to say some people really love it and some people uh are against it or you know i just wanted it to be better for your sake and for guillermo's sake and you know like i just i I hoped for more, I guess. And I'm a fool. I wake up in the morning and I hope that everything I see, every game I play, every movie uh, I watch, every TV series that I get involved in, I hope that it's going to be better than it is. You live your life with extremely high expectations, and and so sometimes you have to live with disappointment in your life. This is how I'm sent. This is what I'm sensing from you. I, I, I love how this has turned into a therapy session. I love it. It has me. counselor Heather Dirksen here to the rescue. Yes. So uh, so, but when I saw you on screen and this Vic Vic as well, we were like, yes, Heather, go get in that yeah. And kick the shit out of that kaiju, and then and then we don't see enough of you, and I and I think that's one of the things Vic keeps circling back to is we we don't see enough of the 
you know, the, the people who maybe aren't the main Jaeger pilots, but we don't get to know them well enough. We get little glimpses of them. We can certainly get glimpses of yeah. you in the film. But we wanted more of you. We wanted to see you just develop as a character a little bit more. Tell, tell me a little bit about how you, you know, how you created this character and how you got involved in the production. Yeah, um, I, well, I think the consensus is with people I've talked to too is just, oh, we wanted to see more Cherno and more Crimson Typhoon. But I always think that's a biased thing because, you know, I'm talking to my friends. <laughs> we want to see you more, Heather. We yeah, you've to seen see the movie more. three times now. I've seen and it I actually three times. ran into you. You you live here in the Pacific Northwest. I yes. ran into you in a restaurant and you were going to the movie with I your was. friends. And you've only, you've done this twice now. You've taken a group of friends to Well, see the first time was at the premiere in Hollywood, which was mind-blowing and crazy. And I couldn't quite process. It was like the first time I'd done uh, that kind of a... Red carpet. Red carpet, yeah. black carpet thing. And it was quite uh, quite the experience and super crazy, fun, insane. And so it wasn't quite processing. So then the second time I saw it was actually with my younger brother mm-hmm. and his girlfriend. and And it was just us three. And I always watched action movies with my brother growing up so it was quite nostalgic to sit and I watched it on a regular screen and was able to really see the movie and process it and um, as and opposed the, to the premiere which you and I've talked about was kind of overwhelming slightly overwhelming yeah. the sound and the like it was I um, I actually don't think I breathed properly during the whole screening it was just like this kind of onslaught for um, especially in that theater was just like what theater was it? the Dolby theater it used to be the Kodak and okay. it was just totally refurbished mm-hmm. and State of the art like huge speakers yeah everywhere yeah. like planted everywhere in the ceiling all around you and so it I just was like ah! it was just like ah! Charlie Day <laughs> like that was kind of my impression <laughs> Did you say of Charlie Charlie Day Charlie Day was the laughter yeah or I mean Burn Gorman I, I love anyone who has theater background. Byrne is such a theater actor. He's so amazing. Mm-hmm. And everyone was such a cartoon in that movie. I just liked how he embraced it. And he embraced the stereotype. And he embraced the melodrama. And mm-hmm. it was quite intentional. And so I think, yeah, I think that's resonating differently with different audiences. Right. I have not answered your question whatsoever. No, I'm I, rambling. I, we're, we're just, I'm just happy that you're here at all. I'm happy to be here. In miserable space. In, it's it's an interesting smell. I, w- I would definitely say that. How would you um, describe it? Well... <laughs> You know what? I totally was faking that because I have no sense of smell. Is that um, true? It's actually true. So I you, have. You can't smell coffee. You I, can't smell. I can't smell coffee. Flowers. Flowers. You know, farts. I can't. You can't smell farts. No, I cannot smell. Oh my farts. gosh! You are the perfect person to have down here in the basement because it stinks. It stinks. I'm apparently the perfect girlfriend. Many guys have said <laughs> you can't smell farts. <laughs> You can't smell the corned beef that Vic's mom's cooking upstairs. No, I can't. Yeah. It went away gradually between age 15 and 20. But sometimes I pretend that I can smell just to avoid the conversation. Not that it's uncomfortable. I just... That's such a weird to, thing. I've know, never met anyone strange. who can't smell now. Yeah. So slowly over time, you remember being able to smell at some yeah, point. I do. Yeah. I remember smells. So actually a really nice thing for people to do if something smells nice is like describe what it smells like. Mm-hmm. You know, it smells like fresh baked bread or... Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. It's a, it's a strange thing. And there's no particular reason. It just gradually went away. I didn't get clocked in the face or, you know, there's no... And that it just happens sometimes to people. Like you can I just lose so. your sense of smell. So and I'm walking around without to lose, a sense. Like if I had to pick one to lose, I would... I would probably let smell go first. Yeah. 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 I don't, like, I don't typically think nonstop, oh, I miss my sense of smell. But (laughs) I love that a whole part of this, this is uh, us talking about the sense of smell. But it is because this, it does look like it it would probably smell like, you know, damp things in here or socks. it would be, yeah, it would be like some wet stuff that is like water that has just sat for too long. See? mold and then cheeses various right. cheeses uh, well then or, lucky me you know, right it's, yeah i'm in a lucky space right now yeah, <laughs> without you, my i sense was of wondering smell. why you're in such a good mood being down here because most guests that come down here aren't aren't in very good moods they're sullen yeah i've noted that about about most of the podcasts it's a very sullen feel yes, i'm yes. being sarcastic so so you uh so i'm looking you know i'm thinking okay uh heather who again i i didn't know very well but the thing is i think everybody once they see you they're like oh yeah i've 
seen this woman in everything, and you have been in everything. You've been in Battlestar, you've been in Fringe. Uh, you like, and yeah, I was thinking that maybe this was kind of your entree into the, the nerd pantheon, being part of Pacific Rim. But actually, you've you've been in the nerd pantheon for a long time. I've been in there for Cabin for in the a Woods. Bit. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah. Oh my gosh. And I and I got to actually be directed by Joss, even though he he didn't um, direct the movie. I was in uh, the other unit shooting, so I actually got to interact with Joss Whedon. So that was total a nerd, a nerd yeah. moment in my life. It's like Joss, yeah, Buffy, he's Adel. the man. He is the man. Yeah, I had a little bit of a freak out inside, and yeah. it stayed very calm on the outside. Yeah, no Joss. Hello, um, very professional right now, but yeah, I've um, I've feel like I've just kind of fallen into sci-fi and and horror oddly enough because I love animated features and cartoons and kids movies and love to do that and comedy too so it's funny that I've been getting I fall into the sci-fi um pretty easily I think I, I wonder I mean what is it something the, the about height? you you just it's the height so maybe you seem height. like maybe it's a little alien Maybe but slightly alien. People yeah. are taller here. Like people grow to because it's you know it's it's a, it's like a rainforest here. People grow a little bit taller. In yeah, Vancouver. that could be it. But you're not from here, and yet you're quite tall. That's so true. You're like I'm, almost hitting the ceiling in this place. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm from the East Coast, where you know, like I lived in New York for a long time. I bumped mm-hmm. my head everywhere. That city is not built for tall people. I'm Maybe sure. Maybe you grew more when you got here. Rainforest aided a little bit. That That's true. That's true. This. Um, but it could also be like I'm. I was trained in the theater, so you know I'm not, I'm not afraid to you know get dirty and roll on the floor and and get ugly. So I think I got cast as crazy people and prostitutes and crazy prostitutes and um, ghosts, creatures. You've and been a creature. I've been a creature. I've been a goblin. Uh, I had prosthetics and a wig and a you know a leather corset fitted to me and fangs and it was quite a great process like re- a red hair wig now are you i know that, that that's a that's an experience that can push an actor one way or, or another like some people some actors can really embrace that and i know that it can be really uncomfortable as well to get your you know what you're trying to do across when you're covered underneath all this stuff how did you feel I and mean, what, what project was this for it was for knights of blood steel knights of blood steel classic a masterpiece I, I actually one. yeah it <laughs> really um it's uh it's interesting. You 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 could watch it like um, maybe intoxicated and enjoy yourself okay. quite quite a bit. How many drinks would I need to have? Um, to, a few. Okay. I would say um, yeah. yeah. Write write it down. Maybe like Knights of Blood. Knights of Blood Steel. Um, well, it depends on your on your tolerance and your drinking level. Maybe three or four. Three or four at least, just to just to get into just it. Just to get into yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Knights of Bloodsteel with Christopher Lloyd, who I've worked with now twice and is just fantastic. He's great. So amazing. So there's like three races. There's the humans, there's the, there's the elves and there's the goblins. And Mm -hmm. I play one of the, one of the wise goblin (laughs) elders. This sounds amazing. So cool. Yeah. And and like the prosthetics though, these days are incredible because they don't just sit on your face and like inhibit you from moving. There is... Um, more muscle needed to move it, but it mm-hmm. does kind of meld with your face. So it's just learning how to get the the fangs or the teeth, you know, working with your speech or getting the, I don't know, all of the prosthetics on your forehead to move with mm-hmm. your face as you're saying words. So, so is it cool. is it foreign when you actually see these projects, something like Knights of Bloodsteel, and you see yourself dressed as as a as a goblin, and and do you feel you're like who is that? How did I do that? Like that's so. Is there a disconnect between you and what you're seeing on screen? Well, it depends on the project and I think the quality of the project. When when you see it and if it's if it's well done, I can completely suspend um, my disbelief mm-hmm. and just jump into a story. I think working in film and TV and voice has not erased that from from my being. I don't know, erased that from my being. That was very philosophical. Very. But I, I, I still am able to go into a movie or, or, or see something or listen to something and be able to get immersed into it totally because I like storytelling. Do you ever tell the story good? Then do you ever watch a movie and then forget that you're in it and you're like, oh, I forgot I was in this? I don't think I forget I'm in it, but I, like when the part is coming up that it's going to be me, I kind of I do slip into the very first time I see it, I slip into a oh, oh, I think this is the part where my character's coming up and I wonder how it looks. Right. 
Because you have no control over the editing process in the end. Like, they could cut things out, they could use this shot, they could use this one where the lighting is, you know, crappy or it's great, and you don't know how it's going to look in the end. So all you know is the memory of that time and of the work that you did. Right. And hope that you did the best you could. <laughs> well, I, like I said at the outset, I kept Vic and I both, we, we wanted more of you and your character and your partner and just to learn more about these uh, Jaeger pilots before. Sli- slight spoiler. Sorry. Oh, what is Vic doing up there? I don't know. It sounds like a haunted house. I don't know. That corned beef, I think he, he, he had some sort of <laughs> oven malfunction. He did. That's Victor! It... Heather's here! I don't know. Vic! I, I, Join us. Come down. I don't know where he is, um, but uh, but before basically slight spoiler, your Jaeger goes out and gets destroyed. It doesn't <laughs> slight spoiler that gave take people long. like a half second to yeah. turn off the to hit the pause button. Yeah, <laughs> like, sorry. Half second, but uh, uh, destroyed. But uh, did they shoot? Did Guillermo, Guillermo del, shoot, did he shoot more than what's in the film? Did you guys work there on more an, than that? There was another scene, a hefty scene. Um, between the triplets and and Cherno Alpha, that was in the end, like on the day that we got to set, was was cut because of um, storyline and how it kind of um, it seemed to slow the pace down of the scene, mm-hmm. and it just didn't seem to to work. And so, I mean, he he kind of took me aside, and it's not you, don't worry, because we're very fragile as actors. Of course, is yeah. it something I did? But no, it's, it's just the pacing of the scene. It was just slowing everything down. So um, there was just one extra scene. Other than that, it, it was all in there. And so as as little as Cherno and Crimson Typhoon are in Pacific Rim, I think that there's hope for a prequel. Mm. I mean, I haven't been told about this, but in my heart of hearts, I believe that there could be a prequel. I love the optimism. It's it's an optimistic state I live in, Scott. <laughs> it's very good. So tell me, you had white hair for the film. Yeah. And uh, so, and this was a long time ago because your hair is back to its normal color now. Yeah. So how long did it take to get you? Because it, it was short white hair, right? It was. It was actually about shoulder length. Okay. Um, it was just braided very tightly back, so it's like three braids that um, that she did in my hair instead of the potential of the shaving and a mohawk, which they'd been discussing at the outset. A mohawk? A mohawk. And you were I down might, for that? I was totally down for that. That's awesome. Guillermo. Yeah, of course it's, it's Guillermo. Guillermo. you got to do what he wants. It's his vision. do what he wants. It's yeah. just what, what do you want, Guillermo? Yeah. What do you want? So, but it was braids and it was bleached uh, blonde. And then it took about a year, a year for my hair to grow back to its um, regular state and color. Yeah. So it was a commitment for sure, but w- well worth it to work with that man. So how did you get the part? I was in Toronto. I, I just happened to fly out there. My agent here was just like, well, it's slightly slow here. And I'd gone to Toronto before mm-hmm. to work or to train with a teacher out there. And she said, it's slightly slow here, and it's picking up there. If you wanted to go, this might be a good time. So it was her that put it in my head. And very suddenly and spontaneously, I bought a ticket that weekend and went to Toronto, and it was the second audition I got off the plane. Mm -hmm. So if I hadn't gone that weekend, if I hadn't decided to go, they weren't auditioning in in Vancouver, so if I wasn't in Toronto at the time, then... And then then I also, they had wanted me to be at least 5'10", and I'm 5'9 and a half. Close enough. Close enough, but they still were not really wanting, you know, it was like, well, we can't, it's 5'10", it's 5'10", we want to see people 5'10". That's the cutoff. It's the cutoff, come on now. Um, But then um, my agent out there pushed and pushed. She just puts that on her resume. She's actually Mm 5'10". They saw me. So, like, I mean, like all these tiny little things that led to me getting the part mm-hmm. that's kind of how I got it and then it was very secretive the audition like I didn't get the lines beforehand um, I got them when I got there and learned I had to have a Russian accent and so on I, the spot you suddenly spot. had that one yeah but I had it I had yeah. it kind of in my little trick bag so I'd done a play and it had to be a Russian years ago Russian yeah. accents are they're pretty easy to do a Russian, right? a Russian accent I, I don't know good. I mean I still need work to to slip into it but it's easier than say uh, you know australian or mm-hmm. scottish for me which i can't do whatsoever which needs a little bit more of a fine touch because yes. we, we do a lot of accents on the show badly oh yeah. 
Oh, what's your favorite one? Can Russian one? is very easy for us. Oh, Russian. No, <laughs> Zdrasvetsya. Hello. See, Hello, that's Scott. The, that's the difference How between you? a professional are you Russian thinking accent. What I'm thinking. <laughs> <laughs> and we just passion. saw Red Two uh, a couple days ago, and Brian Cox does just about the worst Russian accent of all. But I think it's a self-consciously bad. Self-consciously. Russian accent, yeah. Yeah. Because he lapses into, I don't know what he is, Welsh maybe, or, or but... What is it? What, what did you see? Red, what? Red 2. You oh. know the Bruce Willis movie? Yes. Helen you saw Mirren. Red 2. It's and so Brian Cox has a Russian a, accent in it. Yeah. Oh, I did not know that. You got to see the Red one or it won't make any sense. I know. I really need to. <laughs> so you worked it's with Joss Whedon. You've worked with Guillermo del Toro. Unbelievable that you've so crazy, and you're so young. You still have so much of your career ahead of you. You've also done video games as well. I noticed yeah. that you were, you worked on uh, Dead Rising Two. I did here at uh, Capcom Vancouver. Tell me about that. Um, Dead Rising Two. That was a really interesting audition and recording because it, it's for the Bailey Twins. Um, so I was voiced. I voiced one of them, and Laura Gil. Chris voiced another one. We recorded separately. But yeah, the, the directions for those characters, because they're very like, you know, they're very sultry and they, yeah. you know, they growl a lot. They purr a lot. And they, I think the, what was the, the direction that I got from the voice director that day that was hilarious was, um, I had to die. Like I had to make dying noises. You know, you stand at the microphone, you go like, you, ah, oh, ah. You know, and you're like, for like hours, these, right? For hours. I've heard this is so surreal and terrible. Yeah, and punching yeah. noises, jumping yeah. noises, oof, what, oof, ah, oof, yeah. and whatever. But he's like, sexier, make the dying sexier, sexier, dying is sexy. <laughs> and I was just like, wow. And now they have, like, at the voice studio, they have it in a framed. Like that quote, dying is sexy every time I come in. And so, yeah. <laughs> oh, you know, like, and you're like, I don't know, like dying with a sword. Some, like I had to be. Yeah. Somehow know, turned on, but also dying at dying, the same time. Pain yeah. yet pleasure. Make the dying fun. sexier. Make the dying sexier, <laughs> sexier. Yeah. It was a pretty funny experience. So and Dead you, Rising too, yeah. And you've also got some new projects. I don't know if you can talk about them just yet publicly, but you're working on some animated stuff. Yeah, I'm working on... Um, I am. I'm working on a new Lego feature. Uh, um, and it's for the Yoda Chronicles, actually. And I can't say more than that. Okay. But I'm, I'm recording it right... That's why I'm in Vancouver right now. And... Um, and also shooting a, a project here called Big Eyes. Um, Big Eyes. Big Eyes. Is, is that co- Tim that's... Burton? Okay. Oh, Tim really? Burton. Yes. Okay. Yes, a little, a little You're so part busy. in there. So yeah, so I flew up for for these those two projects that are also both very exciting, actually. Plus, you're here in the middle of summer. Yeah. I mean, you can't tell down here in the basement, but it's uh, it's no. the best time of year to be here. No, but the sun is out there, and I'm going to emerge shortly and probably take a walk along the seawall. Well, uh, you know, considering your uh, and it is a genetic blessing that you can't smell. Considering <laughs> the fact that you can't smell, you're always welcome down here in the basement we'd love to have Aww. you back any anytime you're in town just stop by just well thank you i'd like to come by one time and 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 meet vic but okay. I, I should probably um jet and uh okay. and you just let him know like i stayed as long as i could okay and i was but uh give him a little a little pat on the back is that me. your car parked out front it is in front of the dumpster because vic's mom might need a lift to her uh to, she's got a bowling lesson oh Perfect. So yeah. could you give her a ride I and could totally give take her, a her lift. into town? Perfect. All right. Yeah. I may even bowl a few with her. Well, okay. She's uh, she's open to she's having open to a that, bowling right? partner. Yeah. So Vic is going to be very sad that he missed you, but uh, but he's at Comic Con. Uh, he's got that he's is a go- good excuse. So he he will see lots of other people there that will make him feel better about himself. Perfect. They will. They truly, truly. Well, will. Well, thanks for coming by, with. Heather. Thanks for having nice me. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you too. Okay. And All take right. care. Bye. Bye. <sighs> yeah. Whew. Oh my God. You wouldn't believe what happened while what, you were gone, happened, my friend. What? I got a special visit from Heather Dirksen, what? who a, was one of the stars of Pacific Rim. You had a lady down here? I had a lady down here. It was probably what? The, the first lady we've had in the oh basement. Oh my God. I honestly don't think we've had any women in the basement. Well, Julie was here when we talked about the Ouya a long time ago. Oh, yeah. That's yeah. right. Well, so you guys talked about Pacific Rim. Did talked she, about you did, a lot. Did she hit you? 
No, she didn't hit me. She <laughs> understands and forgives. And uh, yeah, we got into it, man. Okay. We got into it. You're okay. going to have to listen to the show. Okay. I, I guess I'll have to stop talking and go home and download this podcast so I can listen to it. So uh, so you're, you're, you're on the road this week. Are you uh, doing any gaming or watching any TV from uh, the road? Uh, I will try. But you know what? I can't wait to uh, meet up with a lot of people. I'm going to a really cool uh, DC Comics Superman a 75th party? anniversary party. Really? Uh, yeah. I wonder if with, Brandon Ralph's going to be there. I'm hanging out with some uh, with some DC friends that I haven't seen in a, in a long time. So I'm, I'm cool. super psyched about that. And uh, well, well, Mr. Lucas. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, it's 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 the it's the bookend to E3 for me. You know, there's a lot of people that I know in the toy world and the comic world and the uh, uh, movie world and stuff that we get to we get to see on a trip like this. And I, you know, we're we're in Vancouver. We're doing most of our work out of Vancouver, so I'm not on the road as much. So Comic Con has become incredibly important. I can't wait to to go and and hang out with people and get some good interviews and and uh, uh, you know, attend a couple of panels and moderate the panel that I'm I'm lucky enough to do. So while you're doing your fancy uh, highfalutin martini and champagne party with DC 75th anniversary for Superman, and you're moderating your panel with yeah. Troy Baker and all of these uh, Eric Holmes and these uh, these, uh, these. What are you going to be doing? You going to be with your cats? Probably. I'm probably going to just rewatch Superbad. <laughs> <laughs> Which might be the greatest movie ever made. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't. I don't really have any plans. What do you want me to do? You want me to clean up the basement while you're away? Yeah, could you do that? Could you clean it up? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe and, invite uh, some people over. Uh, maybe I'll organize the hustlers. Okay. Yeah. Put the put them in uh, alphabetical order. Yeah. Or no, I guess you'd want them in, per uh, just distribution. No, well, you, you you want them, you know, in order. Yes. So January and then February yes. and then. So start we got the, a, a start quick, in the fifties. We got a quick question. Okay, what's take that? A quick question. Sure, this let's came do it. through our website. Let's it's do a it. it's a guy who uh, who wrote in. His name is John Marcus. He said, "I love the podcast. I love the show. It's kind of a long question. Love the contrast between Scott and Vic. What contrast? What the fuck is this guy talking about? Right. We always I love the entire team. That being said. I'm just confused about how you can call Reviews on the Run an EP Daily a family show right. when every episode has sexual innuendo and a recommendation to visit Vic's basement, which is filled with hustlers and playboys and toilet humor and gratuitous language and aggressive emotional tones. What aggression? What kind of aggression is he talking well, about? Well, because we get passionate about stuff. Which transitions into calming logical tones. Okay, now here, here we're coming back to reality. Right. An, anticip an anticipation to play Bayonetta, yet, yet a negative attitude towards a hot girl licking a PSP. It's a little bipolar and creepy, in my opinion. Look at all these wonderful games I play. How amazing is this lifestyle? A little bipolar. It, if you I want mean, to see more to come, if you want to see more, come to the, my basement so I can show you my Playboy's Hustlers toilet M-rated humor and shout uh -oh. in your ear while it, gently stroking your head. Get get the question. Where's the funny where's thing the question? is, I actually agree with most of the topics being discussed. It's just unfortunate that you lower yourself to a teenage adolescent sense of humor. Come on. Clean up your act, guys, and either make it a real family show or just an adult show and stop sending mixed messages. Like we I said, I am confused, so a little clarification would be and appreciated. We are having a conversation that is just us having a conversation. It's not we're not trying to make and tailor this programming so that it's for a specific demographic. We are having a conversation like we would have a conversation. It's supposed to be off the cuff. It's supposed to be, uh, you know, just having, uh, uh, you know, uh, a, a chat and talking about things that we are thinking about and caring about and talking to people that we're interested by. That's all that this podcast exists for. And it's, it's not constructed to, uh, to hit notes and it's, and it's to, barely uh, constructed at all. <laughs> well, and to appeal to specific tastes and demographics. And I mean, we go crazy talking about that and all of the things that he talked about in his uh, dissection of what we're doing across all of our programming is representative of human life. We aren't one thing ever. You know, right. we are infantile and juvenile and and uh, have toilet humor sometimes and we're goofballs and then we have thoughtful discussions and other. That's what human beings do in yeah. the course of a day, in the course of a conversation. That's all we're reflecting back in the content that we have, whether it be here or on our TV shows. Honesty. That's what we're trying to do. Yeah, I agree, and I think uh, I, I would like to think that uh, we're we are most able to be ourselves. I think what you hear on the basement is the closest to an actual conversation that sure. you and I would have if we were, you know, before this we had a burrito at our favorite burrito place. Yeah. This, what you guys are hearing, is the kind of conversation we'd have at the burrito place. 
and sometimes those conversations are they're all they're all over the road there are no guardrails on this road and so sometimes we swerve off the road and we swerve into territory which might make some people uncomfortable but it's stuff that i think you know mostly we're just trying to entertain ourselves and we're trying to entertain each other and we're hoping that if people listen in they'll also be entertained by some of the things we say we know not everything that we say is brilliant or smart and it's not premeditated at all no, it just comes way. from a pure place and yeah. so sometimes on our journey to try to express the things we're trying to say we lapse into and you know i think it you know i think we intend it to be a little tongue-in-cheek you know that there, there aren't really you know a lot of hustlers around here it's not really that dirty in the basement we're part of this is is uh, you know we, we realize who, we're playing up who some cares tropes. if it is who and cares, who cares if, it is? if it is i mean honestly like we are we are just we're we're having a laugh we're having a good time and we are talking about stuff in in a uh what should be just a comfortable way you know and i yeah I, uh, I, I, I'm super happy that people are getting something out of listening to all of this stuff. But if we say things that offend you, by all means, let us know about it. But the choice is yours. I mean, this, this thing is, is, you know, if we worry so much about everything that comes out of our mouth in a non-scripted way, in, a, in, a, in sort of this kind of just conversational tone, it's going to change the dynamic of what this this whole podcast was created for. I think the benchmark is always I think about you know like would you would your mom or my mom listen to this yeah. and and be upset by what they hear right. and uh, and I think for the most part I'd be comfortable having my mom right. hear any of this yeah. stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't want my daughter listening to this stuff. That said, John Marcus. <laughs> and it's time for us to make peepees. We should invite him over and lock him in the toilet with our hustlers. <laughs> it's so fun to say the word peepee. <laughs> Have you said it recently? No. <laughs> we should Actually, invite him over and lock him up. Lock John in the closet with some hustlers. Uh, then, yeah. I, I appreciate the feedback, but you know. I do too. No, I get it. We, we get we get notes like this from parents sometimes who uh, who aren't really sure. And you know what? This is our first kick at audio too. This is our first kick at doing anything with the podcast. And we're maybe, like sixty podcasts in. We're veterans. I, no, no, now. but in terms of like this is our first show that we've ever done. Maybe we'll do something else that will be slightly different. You know, and so uh, where we don't say pee pee. Yeah, but Vic's basement, I think, is going to be pretty fast and loose because that's what it was engineered to be and, yeah. and uh, it's something for us and we have a good time and we hope that you do too but if uh, we offend you we're sorry I'm actually not sorry at all Hustlers I hope are in the mail. We, I hope we get to offend. If we haven't offended at least one person per show, then we're not doing our job. And listen, oh, next, no, that's not our goal. Ne- you know, next week, though, uh, you're going to be back with all kinds of news and stories yes. from Comic-Con and yes. all the people you met at James Cameron's helicopter and yep. all those, the parties, the Can't after parties and the Jim. after after parties. Yep. And the drugs and the sex and the rock and roll and all that stuff. Yeah, so, no, I get that at home. So I, I can't wait to hear all of your stories. No doubt we'll have uh, we'll have a special guest next week. Absolutely, we will. Yeah, all very right. special. All right, I gotta go. I gotta Stitcher. Get to my, uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Right. See you next time. Bye.